Good morning, everyone. Have I pressed all the right buttons here? Have I switched the microphone on? Have I rolled the titles? Yes, I believe I'd have. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy that you could join me and Julia this morning. Julia is hacking away at the keyboard. I'm hacking away at whatever this setup turns out to be. I've got so many bits and bobs sticking out everywhere, wires and things like webcams and lights and microphones sticking out everywhere. Three monitors on my desk, all to bring you good entertainment and a good 3D live experience, I hope. First of all, hallo nach Deutschland, Christina, I hope you're doing all right. I hope your treatment is going well and I hope it's soon going to be over and you'll be back to your former self. That is that is my sincere wish for you. And of course, uh, hello Rod uh, to Independence, Missouri, I believe. So you're one hour ahead of me. We're on Eastern Standard Time here in Miami Beach. Lovely that you could all make it. I'm really, really happy about that. Two small pieces of news that you have, of course, heard already. Last week's announcement was that Adobe have bought Algorithmic. Controversial. Very interesting. We're not sure where that's going to go. Uh, Algorithmic is the company that makes this thing called Substance Painter. And they have a library of materials called just Substance or Substance Source, I believe. And what they do is they uh, you basically can drag and drop materials onto surfaces in things like 3D render engines, like real-time render engines. It's not quite drag and drop for iRay just yet, but it's very, very popular for people who use Unity or the Unreal game engine. And this is something I've been meaning to look into. I, I love what people can do with, with both Unreal and Unity. And uh, perhaps 2019 is the year to, indeed, to do that. So that's number one. We'll see how that goes. I'll see if that'll entice me to purchase the, uh, what's it called, the Creative Cloud subscription, which I think for $50 a month is just, it's just not, it's just a bit too much for me right now. So, uh, but we'll see where that goes. Maybe if they add it for the same price rather than charge extra money, you never know with Adobe, one of those things. So that's one piece of news. The other piece of news that, of course, we have a brand new poser figure, La Femme. I've seen a promo somewhere up on Renderosity, La Femme 1. That was very optimistic. It sounds almost as if La Femme 2 is already on the way. But <laughs> this is interesting because it's the second poser figure that we get for this dedicated platform that is not developed by Smith Micro. So it's almost like Smith Micro have kind of given up on the whole Poser universe. That's kind of what it feels like to me. I don't use Poser much, but I know there's a big core fan base and many of you are still using the Generation 4 figures for that. And it's, it's kind of good to see new life being breathed into Poser with new figures. And that, of course, means there's new opportunities for clothing developers and content developers to, to do something with that new figure. So, yeah, that was, that's La Femme, available for free right now and Renderosity. Very interesting. Uh, see where that goes. Anyway, today, let's do something rather creepy. I've shown you this uh, thumbnail here. This is it. That is the creepy corridor scene that we're going to be building today. So... Um, it's uh, yes, indeed, they have. Uh, and it's uh, yes, Christina, they have. And it's uh, we, we don't know where that's going to go. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. So this is the scene we're going to be building today. Very, very creepy corridor scene. I've actually rendered two versions of this because when I've uploaded this to Renderosity to my gallery, it looked fine. But then when I've uploaded it to YouTube as a small thumbnail, it looked extremely dark. So I don't know, it, it looks OK on the return here to me. 
it's uh, it's just supposed to be dark and creepy. So um, uh, yes, that's what we're going to be doing today. I've got uh, cockroaches here, and I've got a janitor here, and it, I had this vision for this uh, for this picture um, when I was thinking, what am I going to do on on Friday for the live stream? What type of scene am I going to build? And I wanted to do something with this corridor. This was a freebie from the Das Platinum Club that I picked up a while ago and I thought it would be nice to do something with that and I had this vision of a janitor kind of standing at the at the end of the corridor with a very extreme camera perspective there and uh, something creepy should happen so I was going to make this more about lighting and then I thought hmm wouldn't it be nice if there's something crawling towards him and he doesn't realize it's happening so imagine this is kind of a facility and these super intelligent bugs have just broken out and he's burning the midnight oil doing the light the night shift and wiping the floors and all of a sudden these things start creeping up on him very creepy so I've rendered a second version of this that I made a little bit lighter for the YouTube thumbnail and that kind of takes the creepiness out of it um, yeah so I'm not entirely sure uh, about that uh, this is this is something we'll, we'll deal with using tone mapping in Death Studio so this darkness here the light is set up this is the the light here at the top uh, that will be set up uh, from the scene when we load it in with Death Studio but uh, the darkness really comes with uh, a bit of vignetting on the outsides and uh, some some messing with the tone mapping settings. So I'll show you how that works. And then once that was done and once I had uploaded it, I was thinking, do you know what? Actually, uh, I like to try out something else that, that would be more suitable for, for rendering lots of instances of objects. So these guys here I've just copied and I'll show you how that works in Das Studio as well. But there's a better way of doing it by um, using uh, a replicator to replicate lots of these guys over the surface of the floor and uh, there is something that we can use in Das Studio and that makes this so this is kind of a mixture it's still a little bit too light for my liking but you can see all these lots and lots of little critters coming up here so that is even spookier one of those things Biscuits is here. Goedemiddag nach Holland. Very nice. Very nice that you could make it. Aren't you cooking dinner? You told me last time you're cooking dinner at this time. So I'm glad you could make it. Very nice that you could join us. So this is what we're going to be building. And of course, with all these little critters, that's, you know, it's just, it's just all very creepy. It just makes your skin crawl, doesn't it? So one of those things. Let's have a look. Uh, I'm using Das Studio 4.11 today. And in preparation for this, I've noticed that I had um, my graphics card drive. I wasn't actually working with uh, Das Studio 4.11. Well, it's kind of it was working but it wasn't rendering as fast as I had hoped it was going to do that so uh, I had to update my graphics card driver to the latest version from the NVIDIA website so now I'm running this one here 417.71 WHQL whatever that means so that's that's what I'm running and that works with Das Studio 4.11 so just a little heads up if you're trying 4.11 on a Windows system and it's currently not utilizing the gpu that's what happened for me the cpu was utilized but the gpu wasn't utilized see if you can find your graphics card uh, on nvidia.com and see if there's a latest driver for your operating system let's have a quick look at the things that we're going to be using i was going to put my pointer focus here didn't i have a didn't i have a shortcut to that here this thing pointer focus that is just so important because it allows me to show you things like I do on my pre-recorded videos. So let's have a look at the 
items that we're going to be using. Julia is going to post the links to these items in the chat in a little while and um, then you can you can go and recreate the scene if you like. This is the confinement corridor here. It's a DAS original and that once was available as a freebie. They didn't bring the beds in. They literally just put the corridors in. It's available as an iRay and a 3 Delight version. So it should work in Poser. This is what it looks like. And for my liking, that was a little bit too short. So I've taken the corridor and duplicated it and just made it um, bigger. I'm not actually showing you this because I'm still full screen. What am I doing? This is the stuff you got to tell me. Are you behind? Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Let's, let me just show you this again. This is the confinement corridor here. Um, that, uh, um, yes, that's, that's what I just, uh, what I just uh, showed you here. So it didn't come with the beds, that's the beds I was talking about. And uh, for my liking, this wasn't quite long enough. So what I'm gonna do is once I've loaded it in, I'm gonna uh, take it, duplicate it, and then just merge it together. That's how that will work. And uh, our camera's gonna be here. We're gonna make that wall disappear at the bottom here. I still haven't switched, have I? What is it with my with my sticky fingers? There we go. Ha ha. Now I've got it. I'm so sorry. This is one of those things. It's when you have so many many monitors to look at. It's just it's just uh, it's just terrible. There we go. This is the confinement corridor, and we're going to duplicate that, as I said. So this is the wall and the door that I'm going to uh, make disappear and uh, the rest of the corridor I'm just going to duplicate and this is the joining piece here. This, this piece, we're going to join that piece. Confinement corridor from DAS. Also, to make that janitor appear with something to do, we're going to give him the commercial cleaning supplies here. They're only going to be very small. I think I'll give him this, this mop, one of those props here. This was also a Platinum Club freebie from DAS. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a single prop, uh, fairly high poly actually, but uh, we can use it and it's just something, you know, it's just, it just gives him something to do. It doesn't come with poses or anything. It's also DAS original. And I didn't have a lab coat for my, my guy, so I'm going to use a Genesis 3 figure and I'm going to just use the uh, classic trench coat for the Genesis 3 males. And uh, I'll do away with the hair props, so you see a bald janitor, very, very simple. This I bought this as part of the detective bundle uh, a while ago. And that had a kind of a detective outfit and a camera and a few poses in there as well. And I thought the lab coat is going to double very nicely, or sorry, the trench coat is double very nicely as a lab coat. If the figure is kind of far away, we don't need to, we don't need to see the details there. So we're not going to use any of that outfit. It's just about the trench coat. And then, of course, we have the star of the show, which is the Smith Micro Cockroach. And uh, that's available from Renderosity for a bargain price of $2.10. And it's been on sale for 333 days. Or is that going to be when the sale ends? Grab him now while you still can. I bought this and uh, noticed that the minimum checkout value on Renderosity was actually $3.50. So I had to buy something else. I, I uh, chose, I believe, a bird from the, also from the Smith Micro library. And then the final thing that I want to uh, just show you briefly that, uh, that we can use for replicating this guy in the, in the dozens is this thing called Ultra Scatter by none other than, by none other than Howie Fox. If you've heard of Howie Fox before, it may be because of his amazing Carrara scenes. He makes amazing landscapes for both for Carrara and for Vue. And he's kind of fairly recently started doing that in Das Studio as well. 
And he said on the forums once that what he was really missing to create those scenes was a replicator. So he wrote this from scratch. So he's also a, a script developer. And the funky thing with these things is you basically have one fern plant and then you uh, tell the replicator, well, make me 12 instances of that. And that's very memory efficient and uh, you can replicate uh, anything really. He's got two versions and uh, one of them is called the pro version. That's a more recent version with more features and one is called the advanced version and this is what the thing can do so blender has a replicator carrara has a replicator other professional 3d programs have a replicator dastry doesn't have that i believe poser doesn't have that but now dastry thanks to ultra scatter pro and howie fox has that there's uh, the advanced version which has slightly less features is available for 14.98 right now it's on sale Wow, busy chat. Guys, I haven't even looked at this. This is amazing. Thank you so much for your involvement. If you have any questions while I'm going along here, please uh, feel free to ask and Julia is going to be kind enough to shout that out to me. So uh, yes, let's begin with Dastudio 4.11. Here it is. And uh, I guess um, let's start with a sip of coffee, shall we? What coffee are you guys drinking? Let's do that, biscuits. Let's do fluffy kittens. I like it. Yes, I think that's a great idea because uh, we had a we had a kind of um, sad pool scene, and then uh, now we have these creepy uh, creepy cockroaches. So let's let's do a nice fluffy kitten scene. If you know a fluffy kitten model, let me know. Also, thanks, biscuit. By the way, I've uh, downloaded your blonde hair texture from Patreon. Uh, Biscuit, uh, like myself, we're both on Patreon and uh, Rod is on Patreon as well, by the way. You can, if you're watching and you want to support any of us, please do that. We'd greatly appreciate that. In the chat, you can also support me by uh, Super Chat. If you want to do a one-off donation, you can click the little dollar sign on the bottom of the chat and you can pop something into my tip jar. But uh, Patreon, the good thing about Patreon is we can, we creators can give uh, funky goodies to the audience and uh, Biscuits just made a blonde hair texture available on her Patreon feed. Very exciting. I'm going to play with that. Perhaps it'll make an appearance next week. Who knows? Let's begin by bringing our creepy corridor scene and that isn't actually that creepy when you when you start So uh, from my smart content tab here, I'm gonna go I believe into environments. Yes, there it is and uh, I have the confinement corridor. That's what it's called if I open that under environments, I see two figures one is the three delight figure and one is the iray figure I'm gonna go uh, with the iray figure more well, figure I'll say it's a, it's a preset isn't it and it comes in like this and that's just well you know a little bit zoomed in for my liking so let's zoom out there and have a look at this in its entirety biscuit biscuits that's how super chat works you are the best that is so cool biscuits has just demonstrated to us how super chat works thank you so much for the 99 cents i appreciate that it'll top up my coffee next time thank you so much this is awesome i really appreciate that this is really nice so there we go tip job works indeed so the corridor here is uh, a little bit too short and of course my camera perspective is a little bit too zoomed in. So that's one thing that we're going to fix in a moment. That was actually a tip that um, uh, Dream Labs gave me. Dream Labs, are you here? Are you joining us? Is Dream Labs in the chat? He's uh, basically one of my neighbors. He lives in Broward. 
Dreamlabs 3D, who is one of my uh, my Patreon supporters and uh, and loyal viewers. He joined me a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we had a little chat going there. And he said, well, if you want to uh, make the camera perspective of the perspective view slightly wider, then you just right-click on the little... Um, loop icon here right click and then zoom in and out and that does not dolly the camera like you would do with the regular mouse wheel if you scroll the mouse wheel in or out that physically moves the camera closer or further away from your object but if you use a, a right click on this then it will in fact zoom your perspective view in and zoom it out and the advantage of that is that you can use that on cameras as well but the advantage of this is that you can kind of uh, set up your uh, perspective view to something that that uh, suits your liking so I would like to shoot with a wider lens and usually I would have created a camera first and then tweaked the lens on the camera now thanks to that tip I can also do that in the perspective view I really like that so there we go let's uh, select this wall first here and when I do that, then I go and it's, uh, it's selected here in the scene tab. I can just click the little eye icon and it makes the wall disappear. I'm going to do the same with the door. So click the door and just make that disappear as well. And that lets me now shoot into the corridor, which is very important. So I'll dolly the camera in there a little bit further. And this is technically where our uh, janitor figure is going to stand in front of that door here. But before I do that, I'm going to also uh, make sure this wall disappears as well as this wall. And there's also these two security cameras, I guess, that also we're gonna make those disappear as well. And that's just temporarily, so that we have a corridor that we can easily duplicate. Let's do that. I scroll up in my scene tab here to the very top. I can close the corridor to make it uh, easier for me to do. I'll select that corridor. And then to duplicate it, you head over to the edit menu over here. And on edit, you head over to duplicate. And we've got two options here, duplicate nodes and duplicate node hierarchies. Technically, if you only have a single object, like a primitive, then it doesn't really matter which one you use. But if you have something like the corridor that has parented objects to it, then you should use duplicate node hierarchies. And then all the sub items in the hierarchy will also be duplicated. Whereas duplicate node only duplicates the one top node and no child nodes on that. So let's select duplicate node hierarchies. And Das Studio thinks about it for a second. And we have corridor number two. And then now in the exact same place, so we don't really see a difference there right now. But if we go and select corridor two and just move that away over here then uh, we can just have a look at the at the at the bit where they both meet it doesn't have to be super precise but something along those lines will probably do i just don't want to see a seam here let me just close that down for a second so i can give myself a little bit more room here i can just about see that they're meeting up here there that should be good enough and that gives me a very long corridor I can now shoot through there nicely done so I'll position my camera somewhat at the at the beginning of the corridor here and well that's just my perspective view so that doesn't really 
do much for me right now so uh, let's do a couple of things first of all let's lock that camera position in so that we can uh, uh, fine-tune it later up on create I'll click and select a new camera and I will choose the oh, there we go I'll choose the default well the, the, I'll choose the active view copy the perspective view here and hit accept and that'll create a new camera for me here and that allows me now to select the camera from here and look through it and see if I'm happy. I'll switch on the aspect ratio in a moment so that we know what we're actually going to be rendering. But before we do that, I'll go back uh, to corridor one and I'll see if I can switch on the back wall and the security cameras again here. So that's the door at the back. That's the back wall and the front wall. Of course, we don't want that in the way unless you want to. It's you know up to you. I don't think I want to do that. I just want a long corridor here. And I also want to have the cameras, the security cameras, which are of no use because they haven't spotted the little critters crawling up on our janitor here. So there we go. That's that. I'm also going to make you aware of uh, something that this is how I like to work. I've got the scene tab up here, but I've got the cameras tab down here. Can you see that? That's, can I see that? Oh, just about, just about. Uh, this is the cameras tab here and it will show me the camera parameters. You can also access those with the camera selected. Let me close that corridor down again, down again. Oh, interesting computer is a little unresponsive this morning so with the camera selected on the parameters tab you can see the camera parameters just as well but I find it useful to have the camera tab open and have those parameters showing there at all times because of course the parameters menu or the parameters tab is context sensitive so if I choose something else in my scene like the corridor then you'll see that those options have all changed now so I find it very useful to have the camera options displayed on a tab that isn't changing them so if I now go ahead I want to switch on and off the headlamp for example I can do that no matter what is selected in my scene so it's my quick tip for you this morning it maybe makes your life easier when you're working with Das Studio so uh, let's bring up the aspect ratio so that we know what we're rendering I'm going to render something along the lines of a 16 by 9 image so we'll find that under render settings under general and at the very top here we have the dimensions preset for global presets and since we're only having one camera I believe that'll be enough so uh, pick anything you like from the list in my case I'm going to use full HD or HD 720p maybe HD 720p why don't I do that and once I've selected that this is now the dimensions the, the, these are the dimensions that are actually going to be rendered 1280 by 720 but I don't appear to see that in my main viewport yet that is because we can head over here to this little three four line icon here uh, the context icon for the active viewport select that and show the aspect frame select that option and then you'll see that we can see a white border around the area that'll make it into a final image so that allows me to now frame up my camera accurately I will do that with the camera um, selected up here in the viewport uh, let's say we want to have something like that to make it a little bit more dramatic I can head over to my uh, camera tab and uh, drop down the focal length a little bit so it's currently set to 50 which is kind of the equivalent to a regular 
normal lens, I guess they, they call it in 35 millimeter. If you drop that down to something much smaller, well, not much smaller, maybe like 30, 28, something like that, we'd get an extreme wide angle. Don't go too far below that because otherwise you get, you get really crazy results like this, but it depends on what you want to shoot really. I think I'm going to be happy with something along those lines to make that perspective really weird and eerie and uh, and uh, yes something along those lines I think we'll see we can always fine-tune it later I'd really like to have a, a, a central point of interest at the back of the tunnel somewhere there so something along those lines Oh, wow, that is so nice of you. Thank you so much, Christina. That is phenomenal. Christina is one of my extremely loyal Patreon supporters. Uh, so she's supporting me on a monthly basis already. And so should you, by the way. And she's already, she's given me five euros extra this month. This is awesome. Christina, thank you so much. It's, it's so appreciated. I can't tell you how encouraging it is when this happens. Guys, I love you all. This is phenomenal. This is great. This is, I, I really love it. Right, two live streams a week now. This is amazing. <laughs> we were already, Julia and I are already hatching plans to add a gaming live stream to our weekly schedule. We'll, we'll see how that comes along. It really depends on the... Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. I drink... Um, uh, what am I drinking this week? It's a, it's a Cuban coffee. It's a, it's a special kind of... I'll, I'll show you next time. It's a very, very nice full-bodied uh, thing that's being roasted right here in Miami. It's this it's called it's not pilon it's the other one there's la llave and there is bustello that's the one thank you julia it's bustello cafe bustello that is exactly what's in my coffee cup thank you so much christina awesome so there's one other thing i'd like to add to the creepiness of the scene and that is something biscuits probably knows about this it's something sometimes called the dutch angle and this happens when you tilt the camera on its axis to the left or the right. Don't overdo that. It is something, I believe there's a shortcut for that in any of these things. If you guys know it, please uh, please let me know. I only know it, uh, is it, uh, maybe, I can, maybe I can try. Is it kind of a right click on this guy? No, that's not it. It's, uh, is it right click on here? No, that's also not it. I believe it's easier to do this. It's called banking. It's called camera banking. And uh, we can do that under the parameters tab with the camera selected. And uh, it's just under the regular display options here. No, not display, it's the general options under transform rotation. And it is literally the, the way you translate, I believe it's the, the Z-axis, no, that's not it. The Y-axis, no, that's not it. Is it the Y? It's the rotation, first of all. There we go. My goodness. It's not that either. It is the, no, it's going to be Z. There we go. It's Z. That's how you make the camera Dutch angle. I should have researched that, really, shouldn't I? Sometimes that happens when you fiddle around. So this is, this is the camera now on the tripod being moved left or right like this. So it's literally tilted to the left and right. And you call that Dutch angle. And if you overdo that, like so, then it looks a bit like a Stanley Kubrick movie. And that's, that's not what we want. That's, that's just way too much. If it goes towards the 45 degree angle, that's, that's not good. But if you do it in 5 to 10 degrees, something like that, just, just let it creep in there ever so slightly. It's, uh, it adds to the really creepy effect there. So let's do that. Camera a little bit Dutch. There we go. That's it. 
So that's our camera set up. And before we do anything else, let's just save this, shall we? Just, uh, just in case something, the inevitable happens, as they say, uh, let's put that and call it corridor stream. There we go. Super. Let's switch on the iRay viewport right now and just see what that looks like right now. I thought you can, uh, Cajun Beauty. I just forgot what I need to, uh, what which which combination it is. It was some kind of right click, middle click, something. Do you remember which which one which one that was? I don't remember really. Uh, by the way, I, I suggest you not do that in the viewport because you want your viewport to be kind of regular and only do that on the on the camera when you're when you're rendering because otherwise it uh, it just it it my it may confuse me. I, mean, I, I it has confused me in the past. Yes, exactly. It gives that dynamic vibe, doesn't it? So first of all, we see that we have way too much light in our scene now. And that's just the nature of the fact that all our cameras have a headlamp feature switched on. And it's currently set to auto, but if we switch that off, then the headlamp that's currently kind of kind of a light bulb mounted on top of our camera, a bit like the the guys from News Gathering have. They have got this this video camera with a with an LED light, or back in the day there was a proper halogen light mounted on the top, and that shines right into people's faces. And uh, if we switch that off, that main light is going to be gone, and we we see more or less uh, just the scene light. We have an indoor scene, so there's not much light that comes in from the outside because we have a second light source in our scene, which is, of course, the IBL, the image-based lighting. And we can switch that off. We don't really need it. We can see it through these doors here. We can switch that off by heading over to the render settings to environment. And uh, there it is. The environment map is currently set to two. And this is the image that DAS give us so that things like reflectivity bits and bobs show up. But we can set that to zero. And that will switch that off as well. So now we only have the lights that come with the scene. And they are uh, surface lights. So they're mesh lights. They're not um, parametric lights. They're only mesh lights. And uh, the developer was kind enough to put them in here. So these surfaces here, they are emitting light. And that's the light we're getting for the corridor. I'm going to leave it at that for now. I don't want to mess with the lighting too much. I want to set up my scene. Let's set up a couple of critters and let's set up our character in the in the back corridor there. Uh, notice though that if I go back and with my camera still selected, if I go back to the texture or the smooth shaded viewport, I only see a completely dark scene now. And that's because the headlamp is now switched off. So if I wanted to uh, see something else here again, I'd either have to switch on my headlamp again, so then I shine a light right in there, or I can leave that switched off and drop a linear point light into my scene. And that'll, that's just for the OpenGL engine that now brings us this image here uh, to, so that I, can, that I can set things up. Notice when I switch this over to my perspective view, I still have a headlamp and that's not something I can switch off in the perspective view. I can do that in my, uh, in my render settings. Again, I believe it's under general. Uh, if it's not under general, it's somewhere else. Don't quote me on it. There was a way to switch the um, the auto headlamp feature off here. There we go. It is actually on the general. It's under when no scene lights. So we don't have the. We only have the 
option to switch it off or when there's no scene lights on never or when there's no scene lights in there. So as soon as I drop a scene light in now, for example, then uh, this will um, uh, this headlamp from the perspective view will also go away. So uh, I can I can either switch that to never, which look at that actually it only applies to cameras. Doesn't apply, it doesn't apply to the perspective view. Ignore what I just said there. I'm going to do something uh, and drop a point light into the scene so that I can I don't have to switch on and off my camera's headlamp all the time. So let's go and create a new linear point light. Difference between a point light and a linear point light, by the way, is the fact that the point light has a fall off uh, like a real life light. It only reaches so far, but the linear point light doesn't have a fall off. So it shines kind of forever, kind of like the sun. The sun, even though the sun technically has a fall off, we can't detect it here on Earth. So uh, let's do that. Put that in. It comes in right at the back here. And if I'm lucky, I can just drop that right into the middle of my corridor so that I can see stuff I'm doing. I'm going to make that unselectable with that little uh, next to the little arrow icon here. Just click on that until the little X comes up and uh, that's that. I'm not going to mess with my camera. I'm going to go into my perspective view here and I'm going to place my character here. So have I done myself a disfavor here with the with the linear point light I may have done yes I may have done let's put that linear point light in at a later time because otherwise I can't really see what I'm doing through the perspective view it's good for the inside of the corridor I may have to do that again there well to place the character I'm going to make part of the corridor disappear again so the the back part of the corridor maybe this whole bit let's make that disappear our janitor needs to be somewhere over here we'll place him correctly in a moment on the smart content tab i'm going to go and head over to not filter by context otherwise it'll only show me whatever is selected currently i'll head over to figures and I'll go and select my regular Genesis 3 male, perhaps. You're very welcome, Rod. There's a whole new chapter on the in the Dash Studio 101 series that's coming up that's going to deal with lighting, uh, specifically with iRay lights as well as with 3D light lights. So the parametric lights work very similar. Uh, but the way you preview them are uh, different. So I've, uh, I've been thinking about how I'm going to best make that, make that clear to viewers. And I've decided on making several installments about the lighting in that series because uh, I think clarifying lights in general is going to be helpful. Lights will also lead on to surfaces and the rendering engine and that will involve inevitably to, uh, to make that clear for two render engines. So... Um, I'm still working it out of my head, which is why I didn't do the last episode last week as I as I thought I was going to do. It's still kind of, you know, work in progress. With my Genesis male figure selected, let's head over to, uh, let's now filter this by context and uh, give the man a pose. Uh, perhaps from the, from the general pose library. something was it maybe this is that going to be is that going to work so i wanted to be able to kind of hold a 
hold a kind of broom somehow. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's going to be enough. And I'll just bend his arm slightly to the side there. I think I'll do that. Yeah, I think we can start working with that pose. Did I give him any shoes? Yeah, let's give him shoes as well. Let's have a look at the wardrobe here. That's the classic trench coat, still with Genesis 3 selected. Uh, there's a whole outfit here. We'll give him that. That comes with shoes. There we go. And uh, it also might come with different materials. Yes, for iRay and for 3 Delight, I believe. I don't know which one was the default. So I guess with my outfit selected here, uh, do we have a complete outfit? Oh, no, we don't, do we? Okay, so the trench coat. Let's do that. And then we have the pants. And make sure that the pants are also iray. And the rest we don't really see. I mean, we have the shoes here. Let's give them some work shoes. There we go. That should do the trick. We won't see the shirt. We don't have to apply that. Let's see if we can bring in next to our man. Let's see if we can bring in some of the commercial cleaning supplies. I don't really know where they're hiding. So I'm going to go and search for them just by typing cleaning into here. And with a bit of luck, oh, I need to select all products and that'll show me wherever this text string is hiding. And there are my cleaning supplies. I still don't know where they are. Could be under utilities, could be under props. I don't know, it's probably under props. I'll load them from here. Sometimes the smart content is a, uh, is a great idea. Sometimes it is not, but there we go. So double click the cleaning supplies. I don't actually know if they have IRA materials or not. They may not actually, they may be a rather old prop. Under materials, here we do have iron materials. That's cool. I like that. Uh, next question: Where are they? There we go. And I want that to be somewhere close to my janitor friend here. Uh, he probably needs to be. Yeah, the the well, I've noticed that when I was building this scene, the cleaning supplies are actually fairly high poly. More, they have a higher polygon count that they than they actually need. So. Uh, my computer really doesn't like that. So let's move my Genesis friend over here and turn him around like so. So ideally for a small prop like this, uh, I'd, I'd really like something uh, with less polygons here. Yeah, my, my computer is really struggling here. So perhaps just for this demo, because my computer is streaming as well, I might just not render the cleaning supplies. So I would probably just put them off to the side here a little bit and then twist them around so that we see them on a on an angle that he's kind of using them, maybe turn around like like so. And that was my original idea. If this is going to be too cumbersome for my computer, which it looks like it is, I might just I might just uh, take them out and place them last. It's one of those things that uh, it's a nice tip if you if you're working with a large scene and you find that one or two props really drag things down or one or two lights, additional lights that really make working difficult. Uh, don't be afraid to go, well, yeah, yeah, I'll do that later and, and get the base of the scene ready so that uh, you can work better in your viewport. I might actually do that. So just for demo purposes, this is where the cleaning supplies are going to go later. And now I'm going to go and delete them again. 
there we go let's just use the guy as a as a prop here and we know what the final result is going to look like uh, now let's bring the corridor back and see if our man will look correctly in situ there yes i think he does so here he is mopping away if you want to so this is something this is something else that's uh, that's sometimes overlooked when you build scenes i've just turned him around like this and i really like that uh, but now imagine you want to move the guy with the grid slightly further to the right exactly to the right it doesn't seem to be an option to do that right now i can use the manipulator to move him kind of 45 degrees forwards to the right or 45 degrees forwards to the left but i can't seem to move the guy just straight left or straight right and what's going on there well it's um in applications like blender uh, we can set how the manipulator is where the manipulator is pointing if he's using the local coordinates like local to the object or the world coordinates and we can do that in das studio as well uh, so that is under draw settings i believe and that is i don't have that pane open here anywhere i don't see it if we want to do that go ahead uh, head over to window and uh, panes and there should be the draw settings here and if you select that then a new little tab comes open that you can dock somewhere maybe on the bottom here and with whatever object is selected you can uh, select the the um, uh, general thing the general you know what it's my my brain is frazzled today it isn't actually the draw settings it's the tool settings so forget the draw settings let's uh, close that pane again let's try that again with the, with the tool settings so let's try that again under windows panes Oh, there we go at the bottom it is tool settings let's do that so tool settings will have that and here at the top there it is use local coordinates and that's exactly what we're seeing with with our genesis figure here so if we switch that to world coordinates watch what happens to the 3d manipulator that aligns itself now with the grid and that's a very cool a cool way of switching from local to world coordinates and back so now i can move my guy left and right yes i guess that's uh, right that's i think that's the same idea i think in blender you have to set it differently but uh, yeah in poser that that may well be possible so yeah it's the same idea how however you want to move the figure there's something else that's often overlooked uh, on, on this 3D manipulator gadget. There's this little triangle here. And if you hold that down and move a figure, then it'll basically lock the figure in, uh, in two axes. So if I do that, I can move him in the, uh, I guess it's the X, Z axis. So I can use that as well and move him around kind of more arbitrarily, but I will never change the height. And that's what these little white triangles are for. That may come in handy as well. So with my guy selected, let's go back and uh, see what the rest of the scene looks like. And oh yeah, of course, bring in some critters now. Crazy stuff. Let's bring in some cockroaches. So the cockroaches, uh, let's see where they're, where they're coming in and where we need to move them. The cockroaches, by the way, they're not smart content. So they're very old, they're poser content. So uh, they'll come up under the content library tab. And in that, they're not even going to be in Das Studio formats. They're going to be in poser formats. 
And I believe I've got them in my renderosity folder. They could be figures. Insects, there we go. Ha ha, here he is, my friend, the cockroach. Crazy stuff. Let's bring one of them in. And again, the cockroach is relatively high poly, so I don't really need a figure that's that uh, detailed, but I guess, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Let's move the cockroach right to the very front here. You can also work with two viewports. So in my auxiliary viewport, I could switch that over to the camera so that I get a little um, view of my camera. If that's currently not illuminated, we can switch the headlamp on and then I get a better view of where that cockroach is gonna appear while I'm mangling with my, with my perspective view here in the front. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. We're getting there. The cockroach is uh, large. It's, it's uh, not really to scale. Uh, it's not going to be that bad. Hey, just remember, he's just, he's, just, he's just numbers in a text file, really, isn't he? It's, that's, that's all the cockroach is. So in order to... We can see that the, that the little critter here, das possierliche Tierchen, as we said in Germany, this guy—he's uh, not to scale. So in, he's also he's looking at us. So I, I'd like to—I like for him to look at the uh, at at our janitor. So let's go onto our parameters tab and quickly rotate him around. Have I got the co complete cockroach? Yes. Let's rotate him by 180 degrees. There we go. That uh, looks good. The only other thing that I want to do now is that his antennae are curled up and they've, they've, they haven't really rigged him. They just morphed these antennae and the way to, to adjust them is to open the cockroach, open the metathorax and then you have somewhere on the abdomen, abdomen two, three, four, no, that's not it. It was here somewhere. I don't know, is it the pronotum maybe? The head, there we go. Pronotum leads to head and then we have the two antennae that we can now, they have just put lots and lots of antennae bits together to make that, um, to make his feelers kind of curl there. But I believe the morphs we need are literally in his antenna left and right. So with one of them selected, in the morphs tab we have this bend all slider here and if we undo that then he does he does this so you can with s bend and bend all you can kind of animate these things properly and if you really want to go to town you can on the duplicates that you create with the uh, with the cockroach you can have different values here one for every one so that you have that they all look a little bit different that's how you do that so the same for the right antenna. Let's go and uncurl that a little bit, like so. Whoops. It's alive. It's alive. And then you can make him move him side to side. Look at that. You can, you can do all kinds of funky things with this. If you can see that on the, on the screen here. So I can see that because I'm kind of zoomed in here. I don't want to creep you all out. It's just this, you know. I should do this at 2 in the morning, this, this stream. That'd be much, much easier. And then there's the spiral bend. I guess you can do all kinds of things. So let's, let's, you know, twist all this. You, got that. you can do all kinds of things with this. I'm looking forward to animating this little guys. You get, you get a lot for your $2.10 there. There, that should, that should do. Is he... <laughs> Is 
see perhaps bent a little bit too much i mean i don't i don't know that much about um cockroaches myself do they do they really look like that or do they need to does he does he need to walk like that i don't think i've done that in my uh, real scene i think i've just yeah he's got larger height oh my god he has large hind legs doesn't he yeah maybe he just he just walks like that that is that is possible I don't, I don't know I think in my original scene I had some of the legs just just poke into the floor here uh, we can probably do that and just twist him over like that a little bit so that should do the trick perhaps we're gonna turn him to the side a little bit and now I'm gonna imagine <laughs> that uh, that lots of them are crawling around the floor so to do that we can uh, with one cockroach selected we do the same thing as we did before we head over to edit duplicate duplicate node hierarchies and that will have created cockroach number two move him over here and then uh, go and turn him slightly further this way move him slightly over there Das possierliche Tierchen. Edit duplicate, do that again, and just create as many of them as you want. So remember that every time you make a duplicate, it'll increase the geometry in your scene. So there may be the point where your computer will say, hey, I'm actually getting really, really slow now. And uh, that's where this other concept comes in, which is called instancing. So the difference between a physical copy and an instance is that an instance is more like a pointer to a location in memory. So uh, think of the geometry and the textures as some location in, in your computer's memory. And if you go and create another copy of that, then what you'll end up doing is you allocating new portion of memory and eventually your memory is going to run out either on your GPU or on your physical uh, computer's memory. And, uh, to alleviate that you can create instances and they're less memory hungry they're literally just a memory location that says hey for the content of whatever you're gonna uh, show here comma render engine comma look at that memory location and you can do that like 10 or 20 or 1000 times and that's much easier on the computer's memory or on the GPU's memory so I think I'm going to create about 10 of these little guys here Uh, for the large puppies here and then I'll create a few instances with the ultra scatter plugin and remember you can use ultra scatter for things other than just bugs as well very important to remember so if these guys are now on the corridor here for now let me create uh, a duplicate of uh, maybe of this guy here cockroach number two yeah that's that's his name in the end credits in a minute cockroach number two and uh, this guy I want to I want to duplicate and put him on the wall or perhaps on the ceiling something like that so uh, with the X rotation here let's go and rotate him that way is it the X rotation no it's the Z rotation isn't it <laughs> yes minus 90 and let's put him onto the wall I'm just gonna put one or two guys on the wall and they can of course walk on the ceiling as well so perhaps we'll put him 
put in here, half on the door. Excellent. Make sure they actually go right into the wall or they at least touch the wall. Uh, there's nothing worse than having these these shadows underneath an object and you can clearly see that the object is hovering and that of course happens when we set up scenes and we haven't properly looked at them in all uh, in all viewports or from all directions it happens to us all Oops. there so maybe i'll create one more oh have i now moved cockroach number two yeah cockroach number two not his not his friend the duplicate so I'll create one more here and I'll put him here. And he should be now cockroach number eight. Yes, I like it. Starring cockroach number eight. This little square bit here that zooms in onto the selected object. That's a helpful, helpful way to frame something up that you wanna mess with. So in my case, Mr. Cockroach here. You can also vary the scale of these guys. You don't just have to uh, have to leave them all at the same size. So I could make this guy uh, on the scale parameter here on the overall scale. I can just make him slightly smaller. That may be a good idea just to get a bit of scale variation in there in, in all of these guys. So some maybe a little bit smaller, others maybe a little bit larger. And it's one of those things that the that the uh, scatter plugin can also do for us. So that's creepy enough. Let's have a look at our uh, camera here. That's what it looks like. I suppose we could also do with a few cockroaches here on the right hand side, but you get the picture, you get the picture. Let's have a look at what this looks like in the iRay preview. And oh yes, with my camera one selected here, let me just switch that headlamp off so otherwise it gets a bit too light here. Oh, yes, there are flying ones, aren't there? Oh. It's funny that the, the uh, we call, sometimes we call uh, cockroaches here in America, we call them German cockroaches, don't we? And uh, it's bizarre because when I was living in Germany, I never came across a cockroach. Actually, no, I'm lying. I used to live in, in Hamburg on in the red light district. And it was a skyscraper, the 15 floor skyscraper at the northern end of the Raperbahn in Hamburg. It's kind of an infamous it isn't really but it's i used to live there and uh, there was I, I had one of those desks where the keyboard was slid underneath the desk so i could slide it out and then i had my laptop on the top here and there was this one evening and i was unsuspecting kind of had my hands underneath my desk and uh, i just rested my hands on the keyboard thinking what am i going to write next and i felt something like a tickle on my finger and i was thinking what is that and there was this cockroach sitting on my keyboard and just going with these little feelers and I thought oh this is creepy oh anyway yes hence I need to now build cockroach scenes in Das Studio I don't don't ask me why so let's deal with before we deal with the with the many other cockroaches um, and to bring that to bring that top topic around something technical that's less creepy let's have a look at the lighting here uh, I didn't do I didn't do I didn't deal with the lighting yet so this is just the lighting we have here provided by the corridor actually before we continue let me select all these cockroaches and then uh, put them into a group 
I think I'm going to do that. It's going to be uh, so that we can manage them all as a, as a whole thing and hide them all if we needed to do that. So uh, with the with the cockroaches selected, I believe I can do create a new group. And if I do that, we can say uh, uh, roaches. And that now has uh, put all our cockroaches together in one handy menu. So if I wanted to ever hide them all, it's just one click and we go, ha ha, we have a roach free scene. Ah, clear corridor. Whew, that's nice. You can't really do that when you parent things to one another, but if you put something into a group, then you can hide the group and then everything in that group disappears. That's kind of nice. Yes, it is biscuit. It is very creepy. So to make this look even creepier, we can uh, we could go into the corridor here and uh, with maybe with the surface selection tool we can select one of these um, surfaces like the ceiling here uh, remember we have to do that twice we, we have it here and we have it also here so perhaps we'll deal with the with the front ceiling here first so actually we have the lights as well so select the lights on the surface surfaces tab we have a tab called the light bulb and in it we find an emission tab here and this is something where we can now adjust the color temperature and the brightness of those lights so we could do that we could make that a bit um, darker uh, emission color is literally the color of the light so currently we're setting this to white which is fine emission temperature is something i believe the default if we reset that to the default 6500 is kind of a slightly bluish daylight kind of color temperature and anything below that will be slightly more orangey yellow and anything above that will be more blue. So that's how we can uh, give it a kind of a subtle color twist there. I believe 5000 was a good was a good starting point there or even below that that's just that just uh, changes the color temperature a little bit. But if you want to go to the extremes you can also uh, select the emission color here and pick something drastic. I mean, I don't know, maybe green and then that'll make the whole scene be illuminated in green. Just this front part here by the way, not the back part because remember that's a separate corridor and we need to uh, we need to apply the same value to that if we wanted to have the same light effect here. Just wanted to show you that, so I'm going to undo that. I'm going to leave it here at the at whatever it was before, something along the lines of 5,000. Doesn't really matter that much. Along those lines will be fine. Uh, to adjust the the actual brightness, we can use the luminance slider here, and that's represented in a variety of values, whatever you're familiar with most. So the developer set it to kilo candles per square meters and not exactly something I'm personally familiar with but the good news is that if the current value is 350 then anything less than that will be whoops a darker light and anything more than that will be a brighter light and uh, if we wanted to make it creepier perhaps we'll put this to 100 that's one way of doing it. that just gives us less light in the scene I might actually do that because then I can leave more light where, uh, my, where my subject is here and less light where the critters are. So that's, that's one thing, that's one way that you can do that. And the other way, as promised, is of course the, uh, the tweaking in the tone mapping settings. And that's under render settings. 
let's have a look at that quickly just as a as a hint of how else you can mess with your scene so on the render settings this environment here sorry above environment there's tone mapping here and you get all these little sliders here. and i believe one of my viewers said that uh, the other day to me hey you can also change film properties or camera properties on the tone mapping tab and that's not actually correct because technically the way tone mapping works is a bit like how you would develop a digital negative file in Photoshop, if you're familiar with that process. Some cameras shoot raw image uh, files and some cameras shoot JPEG files. Some cameras shoot both side by side. And the difference really between those two formats is that a JPEG is an image that we can look at right away. So it contains the pixel data, uh, basically raw pixel data. Uh, each pixel has a specific color, and all that makes up our picture. But a, but a raw image file doesn't really work that way. There is, if you imagine a digital camera, you've got your image sensor that perceives the light and you essentially you press a button and you read out that data. And that data isn't actually an image yet. That's just uh, lightness and darkness, kind of just raw image data that some processing engine has to do something with to arrive at something we can look at, like a JPEG image. And uh, I believe Canon call this the Digic whatever engine, that's kind of the, the thing that makes it happen, some chip that does some calculation. Anyway, when you do that on the fly, you don't have that much of a uh, adjustment opportunities but if you do that from the raw image data things like photoshop or any other raw image manipulating engine can go to work in a much more specific way so sometimes you can bring highlights back sometimes you can apply a different white balance retrospectively and so forth and that's what this what this process does and i'm telling you all this because it's very similar with render engines you have the actual engine that gives you the raw image data from whatever comes out of here uh, but that's not an image just yet that's basically just our 3d objects translated into a bunch of raw data and then you apply this tone mapping stage at the end and that applies the correct contrast and corrects uh, corrects the um, um, uh, sometimes corrects the exposure and uh, the white balance and all that. So that's why we've got so many options under tone mapping here. Different render engines work very differently there. So iRay has this kind of all integrated in one thing. But if you're familiar with Lux Render, for example, that's available for, for Poser and for Das Studio as the, I believe, the reality plugin by the wonderful Paolo Ciccone, I believe is his name. He's been uh, instrumental in bringing the Lux Render open source rendering engine to Dastudio and to Poser. That works by uh, applying that literally as a second step. So you can literally pause your render and adjust tone mapping settings and then continue the render so you don't have to re-render your image. And that's very handy. So uh, the iRay sadly doesn't work that way. And you have like, you've got a 14 hour render like Rod the other day, then uh, you're not happy with the tone mapping settings. You have to re-render that for 14 hours and it's really, really cumbersome to do that. So um, yes, tone mapping, very important uh, stage. So in, in our case, we've got several options that we can do here. One I like to employ is vignetting. And that's not so much a color correction, but it does make the image darker and it emulates what uh, cameras sometimes have. They have these flaws that on the outsides, on the edges of your sensor, you don't receive as much light on very open apertures usually than in the center 
of your lens. So if we crank that up just a little bit, don't go overboard here. If I go overboard like 10, I can see a real hole here in my scene. And that's not really what I'm looking for. I just want to darken this a little bit. So you, you get the you get this um, uh, outside vignetting here and that's a bit too much for my liking. Yet it darkens the scene, so it does make it all uh, creepy. You can apply that in Photoshop as well, of course, but you know it's nice to be able to do that in the rendering engine. So I just want to kind of hint at that, maybe with a value of uh, three or four. And I'm mentioning this first before we do any other color correction adjustments because it does have an effect on the whole image. So from even uh, from zero to two here, zero was the original value, we get a quite a bit of darkening here. So if we apply that, that makes the image a little bit darker and creepier. You're very welcome, Angel. Yes, exactly. And usually it's faster, Christina, to process scenes in Photoshop afterwards because I'm, I just don't have the time as well. I'm, if when, I'm, when I've got a good render and I'm thinking, hey, I can do that depth of field or that color correction easier in Photoshop just because it's quicker, then I tend to do that in Photoshop as well. But sometimes if you're building the image, then it's, it's nice to be able to build some of the basics in. So yeah, it's, uh, it's something to play around with. Uh, likewise, if you're kind of happy with the lighting and you just want to have the contrast a little bit darker, there's the gamma slider at the bottom. And that works just, uh, can you see that here? Gamma slider, there we go. It, uh, that works just as you'd expected. Uh, a higher gamma makes a softer picture and a, a lower gamma makes a, makes a flatter picture. So if I crank that up to just something extreme like this, then I see that the gamma curve is now much softer and the scene appears a little bit lighter. And likewise, so 2.2 is the default here. If I put that down to 1.5, then I get a much harder contrast. And that's maybe a little bit too much for me already. Actually, let me just go and make that a bit bigger here. So for the benefit of the viewers. So I think maybe 1.5 is a bit too much. Perhaps I'm going to try 1.7. And we're kind of getting there. Maybe maybe 1.6. And of course, you can then uh, you can brighten up the lights again if that's too dark for you or anything. But that's, you know, we're, we're getting there. It's just kind of a um, uh, just a demonstration here. You can do something with the blacks as well. So if we if we go and uh, reset the gamma, leave the gamma as it was before at 2.2, you can also crush the blacks. And uh, 0.2 is the default. If we make that uh, if we make that lower, then we get a much more washed out picture. We're basically lifting the blacks up. So this is this is essentially the the curve that you look at in the. Uh, in Photoshop, that's the kind of the exposes the curve sometimes as well there. Uh, and that's the, the bottom end of the curve that you're messing with. So if you set that to something like 0.4, then you see that the, that the black values are kind of um, literally crushed and you get less detail in the darker scenes, in the darker parts of your scene. But likewise, we've got the same thing going with the, uh, with the highlights. I can burn the highlights if I crank that up then I get this, um, I get less detail in the white bits there. Doesn't, sometimes it doesn't make the scene lighter, it just uh, creates a different type of effect. I just thought I'd want to I'd wanna show you that. And one other thing that's, uh, that's important about adjusting the brightness of the image are these settings, whoops, these settings at the top here. So there's exposure value, shutter speed, f-stop, film ISO. So they all work 
hand in hand and they work exactly like you'd expect them from uh, from a film camera so let's take the f-stop here without that doing anything to the depth of field mind you it's currently set to 8 if I set that to 16 then I'm closing the aperture and I'm, get, I'm leaving I'm uh, letting half the amount of light onto my sensor or onto my film that I did before and hence when I when I change that the exposure value also changes so if I put that to four, I'm now letting twice the amount of light onto my film and hence my scene gets brighter. And again, the exposure value changes. So I don't really think in exposure values. I think more in f-stops and shutter speeds and all that. So that's why I'm more familiar with those things or ISO, film ISO. So they're, they're basically all related. So if I put my f-stop back to the default of eight and I want to achieve the same effect that I just had make the scene brighter I could just have my film ISO and change it from the default 100 to 50 and if I do that oh actually I'm sorry to 200 <laughs> yes very good there we go that makes my scene just just as bright as it was with an f-stop of four because now my the sensitivity of my film is now twice as intense and twice as intense as 200 would be 400 that makes my image even brighter so there we go that's that's another way of uh, of adjusting brightness in the image and the last thing would be shutter speed so if i put that to uh, reset again uh, shutter speed would be uh, if i'd expose my image twice as long that would be maybe uh, 60th of a second so let's try 60 that should mean my image is bright again and so forth so in my case perhaps i'll say 250 to make it dark but now I'm not quite happy with the gamma again, so perhaps I'm now gonna make my gamma a bit harder. And that makes my scene, I don't know, creepy dark, maybe even too dark. Let me just put that back to, uh, just back to reset that. And perhaps I'm also gonna go back to the surfaces here, to my light surfaces and make that slightly brighter again so that I get that, that uh, kind of harsh light effect there, like it was before, essentially. So I believe the luminance value here was 350. Now it's maybe a bit too much there. Perhaps I'm going to try 200. I think that's a good kind of starting point. I'm looking at this on several monitors here. And uh, yes, it, it really depends on, on which device you're watching this on. I've got one Mac monitor that has a very hard gamma. So the blacks look really, really black. And I've got kind of a dirt cheap monitor here. And the blacks look kind of still, no matter how black they are, they always look washed out. So, But then YouTube goes ahead and compresses everything. And... So perhaps we've found a good good middle ground here from what I can see. Now the depth of field that I've shown you in the final image I haven't done in DAS Studio uh, for once because it was faster to do it in Photoshop. I just applied a small um, iris blur around the center of my image here and then I let Photoshop apply something like a five or 10 pixel uh, slight uh, blur around it. I've shown you how to do that in a video I've made the other day. Also, thanks to a tip from Christina, by the way. It's uh, it's called how to do the depth of field in Photoshop. Uh, maybe Julia can dig that out and uh, post it in the chat. That's how I did the depth of field. I didn't do that in DAS Studio because I've got such a short focal length in the scene 
that it's very uh, difficult to get that depth of field exactly right. So usually to to employ the the way this is drawn in Das Studio, it's much easier if you have if you zoom in about 40, 50 millimeters or above. That's very easy to then create a depth of field there. But if it's a very a wide angle lens, that doesn't really work that well. So we're kind of getting to a good picture here. If Let me just do one other thing before we bring this to a close. I don't want to make this too long either. I tend to go on a bit. Uh, it's one of those uh, one of those things I can't help it. There's just so much I want to talk about. So there we go. Um, before we leave, let me show you how to do this uh, ultra scatter replicator effect for the cockroaches. So um, that is something I've only recently explored and uh, it is uh, something we maybe just duplicate this cockroach here and uh, so that we have one extra guy. I'm going to duplicate the node hierarchies here and this is going to be a much smaller cockroach. So once duplicated, I'm going to go and uh, take him perhaps out of this group that we have a standalone cockroach you are not in with the genesis figure come on pop it in here there we go perfect so now i have a standalone cockroach underneath here cockroach number nine i'm going to rename him into small roach perhaps and i'm going to scale him accordingly so i'm going to switch away from the iray viewport here now and i'm going to go back to should i do texture shaded or perhaps i'm going to go smooth shaded and i'm going to go to my perspective view again and with my small cockroach selected, I'm going to just move him slightly further over here. And uh, also just to be able to work a little bit better, I'm going to switch off my aspect frame just for now. Less, less clutter is more. I can even switch off all my other roaches here. And perhaps I'm even going to switch off a corridor or two in a moment. We'll, we'll see about that. Let's uh, twist him around a little bit like, like so and uh, frame him up and make him much smaller. So either with a little cube in the middle, I can just go and make him much smaller. Those are kind of uh, smaller critters here. Let's see if he, well, now he's hovering here. I don't want that. Let's make sure he's touching the ground, very important. And um, the way the replicator works really in, in pretty much all applications is that you select a source object and you select the destination object and you tell the replicator, hey, this source object, please replicate that 150, 200, 4,000 times over the surface or over the volume of another object and in my case i want to use something called a surface replicator and that replicates this little guy all over the floor i don't think i'm not sure actually i don't think the the floor is defined and if it is then it'll be in two parts so i think the easiest way for me to operate here is to create a new primitive which we're going to hide in a moment and we're going to go and Y positive is good. Two meters is also good. Let's bring that in. That's my plane here. And perhaps with the both corridors switched off, let me zoom in on that plane here. That's well, actually bring that into the center. So uh, the plane is now going to, I'm going to stretch that up so that it would fill my whole corridor, the, the uh, ground plane of my corridor here. And so that needs to happen much further. So I don't want the cockroaches to go and reach the guy, our main character. I want them to kind of stop before here. So let's maybe make that a bit bigger and just go, go do that. So all the small guys will be up to 
up to there. It also needs to be a little bit wider. Something like that. And now with my corridor selected again, I can go and see if that is now too wide or whatnot. Yeah, it is a little bit too wide. So make that a bit slimmer, just so that it fills out the whole two corridors here. I'm not going to show the plane later. I'm just going to make sure this is where the replicator can go to work at. That's cool. That's I like that. So uh, now to utilize the replicator here. We're going to be able to see this uh, quite nicely here. The replicator is a script, literally, and with the small cockroach selected, you can head over to the content library tab. It doesn't, I don't think it comes up in the smart content. I haven't found that in Das Studio formats, uh, which really needs to be clearing out their scripts and ultra scatter pro. That's why I've got mine. And it comes with good documentation, which is fairly in depth. But for our purposes, it's going to be really easy to just uh, with the cockroach selected, double click that ultra scatter pro script, and then it'll come up with this. And, uh, on it, we have one button that's missing a description. In fact, whichever one you clicks missing a description, it's an early version, I guess. So I guess Howie is, is working hard on fixing that. Shout out to New Zealand from a man, Howie Fox there, by the way. Very, very nicely done, this thing. Um, with the first one selected, that usually reads surface, and that's kind of what we need. That's the first one that, that, comes, that comes in here. There's the target object, which is, uh, so the source object is the one that's selected. The target object, in our case, is the plane. If it would have sub-objects, you can set those here. And now you can set the number of instances per or iteration. So in my case, I think a number of 20,000 cockroaches. Now it's going to be too much. Let's try 200 to begin with. We could uh, scatter them around right now. In fact, let's do that and see what happens. Das Studio thinks about it for a moment. And then we have lots of cockroaches here. Can you see that? With that much more geometry now in the scene or that many more instances, uh, Das is, or my computer is struggling here a little bit. But you can see what's uh, what's happened here. You've got all these cockroaches now. Oh, actually, there we go. We've got all these cockroaches now looking at us. I guess the, the white shot is probably the best view. So lots and lots of cockroaches. But there's two flaws with this issue. And uh, for one, they are now uh, turned. That's another bug that I haven't quite worked out how to avoid. The, even though the cockroach source object was facing the correct way, now that they're replicated, they're all facing the wrong way. The other thing that I can tell is that they appear to be all lined up in exactly the same fashion. I mean, they're randomized, but none of them are, they're all the same size and they're all facing exactly the same direction. So the way to change that is with the ultra scatter object selected, you can just double click the script again and it'll pre-populate itself with the values that you had just set. So right now we still have our 200 iterations. We have the plane as the object and so forth, but we can do uh, a bit more with that. So there's distribution, scaling and rotation. So distribution, we're just going to leave alone. You can do funky things with it that not all objects are uh, replicated at the outsides of the plane. You can add maps and all that. So it's a very, very intense little script this. But if you head over to scaling, 
you have the random scaling option and this is the the overall scaling here at the top you can say from let's say 25 percent to 130 percent so that means all my instances are now going to be replicated slightly smaller slightly bigger and anything in between so that gives very much of a size variation there and the other thing I want to do is use the rotation thing here and uh, make the rotation around the Y axis. So I don't want them to tilt like this or like that. I just want them to turn in the Y direction uh, just a little bit. So I'm going to crank that value up just a tiny bit because I want them all to walk in the same direction. I don't want them to walk all over the place. I'm just going to adjust those, hit surface scatter again, and then DAS Studio recalculates the position and the size and the orientation of these objects. And there we go. So now we have a lot more variation in our scene there. But they're still facing the wrong way. So the easiest thing to do that then is to select our plane again and go and, well, that is really slowing down my computer. Uh, perhaps I'm going to invisibilize all the cockroaches. That should make my computer a little bit more responsive again. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, and except for my own little small cockroach here, that's still at the at the front there. All I'm going to do is I'm just going to turn this thing around, spin this around. Whoops, actually, that's probably easier with the parameters tab than trying to wing it with the manipulator here. There, let's see what happens if we go into here the x will rotation that is minus 180 degrees and that should be fairly rock solid if i now bring the corridor back i should hopefully see that the yes the placement is still correct uh, let me just switch on my with those things with a little bit zooming in there let me bring my cockroaches back and they should now face the correct direction yes there we go they're all facing forward so that's very nice great i'm going to go and bring my uh, big cockroaches back as well and the corridor of course whoa there's mama cockroach over there let's go switch it over to the actual uh, camera one view if my computer allows me to do that it's one of those things gotta be really patient here yes camera one i should invest in that graphics card rod i was thinking about it it's just so super expensive it's crazy oh there's that corridor as well that needs to be brought back there we go let's see what the let's save the scene first before we try and render anything here with that because that's always the the big thing isn't it you try and render and you go you've been working two hours on the scene oh i'm doing a quick render boom computer crashes and you go, oh, yeah. that's just that's just not very nice so always save before you do anything even a preview render if i'm even allowed to do that here let's see IRA preview. Let's see how uh, quickly my computer can bring that up. I'll have a look at the chat in a minute. I love that you are so active there. I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate that. It's good to have a bit of chat, uh, especially during downtime when you're kind of waiting for your computer to do something. Yes, yeah, so I want to look more into this Ultra Scatter thing. I've, I've bought it when the Ultra Scatter Pro was on sale when that came out. I missed buying the um, 
the advanced version when when he announced it when harry fox announced it it's a very it was i thought it was very interesting especially because i knew what he did with the carrara uh, replicator and when he announced it in the forums he said yeah actually this was the uh, this is basically the carrara replicator now doing its thing in in das uh, but I have no idea how he did it. So he must be a script developer of some kind. Very technical brain, that man. But a very, very beautiful developer. If you've seen the Habsburg scenes or all the, the uh, what did he call them again? I forgot what the what the name of that was now. But he does extremely nice landscape la landscape scenes. And when you open them up in uh, when you when you make a scene either in Carrara or in Das Studio, and you create something with this Ultra Scatter plugin to scatter your instances, and you save the scene, and you want to distribute the scene, check it out. It's very exciting. Users don't have to own the UltraScatter plugin to render the instances. So if I were to give you this scene now and you had the cockroach and the corridor and all the other items we're using, then the scattered instances will still be renderable by your own version of that studio, even without you owning the UltraScatter plugin. So it's very, very cool to remember. You don't have to own it in order to render that scene. So very nice. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad it comes in handy, Rod. I'm, uh, I'm. I'm seriously thinking about it. But it's about eight, nine hundred dollars. I don't think my computer can actually handle it. I don't know if it fits in the slot there. But um, yeah, it's one of those things. My computer is still preparing the scene. So uh, you know what? What we could do is we could just go and, uh, like they do in the cooking shows, they go, "Here's one I prepared earlier for you. Hey, this is what's going to look like." Roundabout there. Uh, maybe we get to maybe we get to see the live picture in a moment. That would be kind of nice. But yeah, this is all these uh, little critters now rendered out there. And uh, yeah, this uh, in, in my preview here, I guess the light was a little bit too um, uh, too light. Still, I like I would like it a little bit darker. But yeah, that's uh, that's how I did it. And you could go ahead now and create separate planes for the sides and even for the ceiling and uh, use a, a lower number of objects there to scatter them. And then you could have that corridor crawling with bugs. So that is uh, that is one thing that you can do. Yes, I believe it's physically large, isn't it, Rod? The, the card is physically large. So it's there's, there's that, there's the power supply considerations, uh, CPU considerations. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard of a, a gamer on YouTube and she recently uh, replaced her card with something else because her computer couldn't render a game that she had bought for $60, I believe it was Far Cry 5. And uh, so she had to buy a whole new computer just to play that game. One of those things. Is my computer getting there? No, he's still preparing the scene. So I'm not entirely sure uh, what's going on there. I'm sure we're going to get there eventually, but perhaps not in this demonstration. If uh, perhaps we're just going to wrap it up for today. Is that is that a good idea? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I will once I'm done here, I'm just going to post uh, one of those pictures that we're rendering here exactly with these um, settings on my uh, on my gallery at, at Renderosity. Perhaps I'll do that. Um, yeah. And that, that was basically uh, it for today. I, I hope my little tips and tricks were helpful. Um, sometimes it's it's uh, it's challenge and come up with a with a, uh, with a 
with a scene that I have to build uh, once a week, so that's, that's kind of nice. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next week, but if you do have any questions or follow-up things, perhaps we can keep it with the ultra scatter, because perhaps I'm going to do something like a landscape thing where I'm going to have one tree and we can replicate that several hundred times across a scene, or perhaps a little patch of grass and we can plaster that all over a kind of a landscape thing. Perhaps that's a good idea. Perhaps we should do that. If you have any other ideas or any um, suggestions of what you want to see in live, uh, live streams in the future, please let me know. This was my fifth one this year. I'm having fun. If you're having fun, uh, judging by the communication we've got going here, let's keep it up every Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Anything else? No, I think that was it. Folks, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend and I will see you later. Take care. Bye-bye.